This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. And welcome along to episode 144 of the ABZ Football Podcast as live again ahead of what is the final game of the calendar year for the Dandy Dons. I'm Gary Scott and I don't even know what day it is anymore um, because it is that abyss between Christmas and New Year. But I am joined by the one and only Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how the devil are you? I am very well, thank you. It is in fact Friday, the whatever date it is. The day prior to Aberdeen's final fixture of this calendar year with Sitminen at Pataudry, weather pending. I think we should say from now on. <laughs> Definitely. And as you quite rightly touched on there, Gav, for the second episode in a row, it's going to be a relatively short one here for us again, as there's no game to review due to another postponement. Uh, this time our game against Motherwell called off Wednesday afternoon. And I guess quickly just to touch on that one, Gav, probably the right call even though it does cause us a, a multitude of problems in terms of fixture congestion as we now have four games in hand on some of the teams in the league. I would say so. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. That's what, just off the back of the somewhat, shall we say, debacle at Dens Park with uh, David Monroe and the very late decision taken there. Um, for me, I think you see the conditions on the road. I think the, what, the A90 was shut. I was travelling along the coastal route to Montrose with my work on the day and the roads there were just, you know, covered in mud water for good stretches of it, making it pretty uh, difficult. That's the only way that a Motherwell fan is going to get through there. Trees are blowing over in the city. Yeah, just a little bit too dangerous. Um, yeah, the right call, maybe. Maybe a little bit too late in the day, perhaps. I know that they were looking at the weather forecast and it seemed like they were kind of just focusing primarily on Pitaudry itself and not thinking about the surrounding area. But yeah, right call. And like you say, it's just going to be a situation we have to play a number of games later on in the season. But this Aberdeen team, this management, they've shown they can cope with that. So I've got no concerns. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a bit of a real rock and hard place, I think, situation for the club on Wednesday. Because by all accounts, you know, the, the pitch itself... Had held up fine to the rain, no major issues with that. But it was, as you touched on there, the traveling conditions for supporters, both from the city and from the Shire, and then further afield as well for the away, for the away support, were, were absolutely no laughing matter. And as soon as the A90 and A92 were then closed off, that was always just going to be the case then at that point. I think that the game was going to get called off. Yeah, and I see now that the Met Office have issued a yellow warning for rain and snow on Saturday from 8am to 11.59pm. Mm. A period of sleet, snow turning to rain will bring some disruption 
during Saturday. So for all we know, this could be entirely redundant. Indeed, once again. Um, and I know I saw some people saying that, you know, the Motherwell team were already in the city. They should have just played the game behind cl- closed doors. But then this is what I mean when you talk about rock and hard place stuff. It's you do that, you end up with those Motherwell fans who'd already made it to the city. And I saw a few tweeting about it online. They'd be then saying, well, why can they not get along to the stadium and watch the game? You'd have Aberdeen fans like yourself, Gav, based in the city saying the same. I get why they also couldn't just go with, well, let's have it on and if you can make it, great, but please don't travel if you feel it's too much because they can't be seen to be almost kind of pressuring people into travelling either. It's a really hard one. I mean, I guess credit has to probably go in the main to Alan Burrows, I think, for keeping people as updated as he possibly could. Maybe a little bit late, but I guess it was four hours ahead of kickoff time when the game did get called off. Even if um, Burrows had to deal with the occasional Dean Ambrose in his tweets deciding to have a go at him for whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the weather did calm down in the city um, from about, yeah, four, half past four onwards. But even then, the wind was still pretty strong. And then you just have to think about it as an, an entertainment spectacle. I think the game would have been an absolute nonsense anyway. So, yeah, for me, the right call, ultimately. But it does just pack on another game to be played um, in quick succession in the second half of the season. And that's just something we're going to have to deal with. Indeed. Anyway, that's enough weather chat, I think, for now. What is this, a Met Office podcast? It does mean now that we can move straight on to take a look ahead to Saturday's clash at Pataudry with St. Mirren. You ready for this one, Gav? Absolutely. Strap yourself in. So, as we touched on earlier on, one more game to bring the curtain down on what has been a pretty incredible year, all told, the best way to put it, I think. St. Mirren travelling to Pataudry in the cinch. The buddies. Coming into this one after a 1-0 defeat to Kilmarnock last time out, they're now in fifth spot on 26 points. They are one of the sides who we do now have four games in hand on this season. Fair to say, maybe a little bit of pressure starting to just build a bit on Stephen Robinson after what was a great start to the league campaign for the Perth Perth Saints, for the Paisley Saints. Uh, They are, however, now just one win in their last seven They've also failed to score in six of those. It's also just two wins in 11 if you want to stretch that far back. In the league so far, played 20, won seven, drawn five, lost eight. 21 scored, 25 conceded. Away from home, played 10, two wins, two draws, six defeats. Only seven goals scored in those 10 games away from the smize of the season, 16 conceded. So they are absolutely picking up the majority of their points at home. A Desmond in the league, Earlier in the season between the sides, the Dons coming off the back of their excursion to Gothenburg to take on Hecken. Johnny Hayes with the opener before Saints took the lead through goals from Kilty and Grieve before a late, late Bojan Miofsky penalty. Maybe even a wee double hit about it. Deep into injury time, rescued a point that, let's be quite frank, we didn't really deserve. No. In total, at Pataudry in the league, the sides have met each other 113 times to date. 72 wins for Aberdeen, 23 draws, just the 18 wins for the visitors in those games. 242 goals scored for the Dons, the Buddies with 102 netted themselves. That's a win percentage for Aberdeen in this one of 63.7%. So it's probably fair to say St. Mirren, one of the sides we do definitely enjoy playing at Pataudry in the league. The last time that we did play in the league at Pataudry was that glorious midweek evening back in May where the Dons swept to a 3-0 win over the Buddies to secure a return to European group stage football. A wondrous free kick from Leighton Clarkson setting us on our way before Graeme Shinney scored a brace to seal the points and spark scenes of jubilation across the Granite City. 
leading to an extremely hungover side rocking up at Parkhead the following weekend. And what will come as a bit of a shock to, I guess, absolutely nobody. Saints pretty consistent in terms of their shape and system. Robinson very much welded to a three at the back with Gogic anchoring that back three. Then it's a variation of a five in midfield, sometimes a flat five, sometimes more like a Christmas tree shape with four in the middle and two supporting a lone striker. Last time out against Kelly, it was two up top with Oyesanya and Ayunga leading the line. So they were both hooked just after the hour mark for Mandron and McMenamin. In terms of goals, 21 in the league to date. That's an average of 1.1 per game. That places them sixth on that metric in the league. 12 of those 21 coming from open play against an open play expected goals of 12.19. So they're pretty much bang on there. That said, an open play expected goal of 12.19 is the fourth lowest in the division. Only Ross County, St. Johnston and Livingston come in lower. Gav, were you shocked to see St. Johnston and Livingston play out a nil-nil draw during the week? Uh, with Stevie May and Curtis Guthrie leading their respective lines, I could not believe it. Shocking stuff. Um, for Saints, two goals coming from set pieces against an expected goals of 3.6. So they are underperforming there a little bit. Three penalties scored from four awards. Four own goals making up the balance of goals in the league. And much has been made this season so far about the fact that Hearts' second top goal scorer is own goal. Perhaps not so much being made about the fact that St. Minnes' top goal scorer is own goal. That is pretty sensational. It's joyous stuff, to be quite honest. Mikel Mandron tops the scoring charts out with that, with just three. Defensively, 25 conceded is right in the middle of the pack as well, an average of 1.3 conceded per game. 15 of those coming from open play against an open play expected goals against of 17.27. So goalkeeper Zach Hemming, who I have seen a lot of Saints fans praising quite heavily so far this season, he also appears to be doing quite well from that perspective. He has a save percentage of 76 Percent and also a goals prevented ratio of just under two. Seven goals conceded from set plays. That's the third worst tally in the league. That's coming against the set play expected goals against a five. So there are two goals worse off there. Three penalties converted against Saints out of six awarded against them so far. That is the worst tally in the country as well. And that does feel a bit of a surprise, Gav, on the set play side. Normally you'd expect something to be relatively strong defensively at set plays. Um, but yeah, like I say, the, the third worst tally in the league at the moment in terms of goals conceded there. Yeah, I think that maybe just reflects um, perhaps some of the players that they lost in the summer. Um, thinking especially um, Joe Shaughnessy, um, always the goalkeeper. Declan Gallagher, surely. Trevor Carson as well. Oh, I'm not talking about Declan Gallagher, that is for one thing. And I mean, even someone like Curtis May, I'm, I'm sure did his, um, did his work defensively as well. So maybe it's just a reflection of the, the change in personnel that Robinson's gone with in the summer. Quite possibly. In terms of style as well, no shocks here. Saints not really knocking the ball around a huge amount. An average possession of 45.5% so far this season. An average of 2.19 passes per sequence of play. Indeed, Saints with the lowest number of 10 plus passing sequences in the division so far. Just 35 of them in 20 games played. So you know what you're in for. Perhaps maybe a little <laughs> bit unusual though. They're not as direct as you might think. They're about the middle of the table in terms of the number of direct attacks that they launch. So it's kind of a little bit curious to try and work out exactly what they're doing. Um, happy to give up territory down the flanks, but they do look to make the centre of the midfield area a real battleground. Keanu Bacchus in particular, key in that alongside the likes of Greg Kilty and Marco Hara. 
Bacchus with a stonking eight bookings so far this term. That's the highest in the league. Um, I know there's lots of Aberdeen fans very interested in Keanu Bacchus out of contract in the summer. Um, I'd love to see what those booking tally would look like if he had a red shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Um, Prime game. Shouldn't be proud of those statistics. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Not sent off yet either. So um, there we go. Interestingly, Saints as well, continuing where they left off last season in terms of their press. Uh, they finished last campaign as the second best pressing team in the league statistically when you looked at high turnovers and they're doing well again on that metric this season they've had 140 high turnovers in their 20 games to date that's a, a high turnover is defined by Opta as being a sequence that begins in open play by recovering the ball within 40 meters of the opposition goal so 140 of them achieved so far in their 20 go- games to date is, is a pretty high number perhaps not quite as impressive this season and this is a little bit of a change from last season they haven't scored any goals from those high turnovers as yet they were pretty clinical last season at converting those chances. But um, that's that's kind of St Mirren right now in a nutshell. Gav, I'll, I'll give you the same question I posed Graham last time out because we didn't get a fucking answer to this, obviously, with the middle game being off. Um, we saw the expected lineup at Dens. Robson was going to stick with the back three. We've now had, obviously, the game against Mullow called off. Our boys should be extremely well rested. Do you expect him to... A, go with the back three still to stick with it? And B, what do you think he does with lineup? Does he go with that same team he had lined up to go against Dundee or does he try to mix up a bit? Um, to answer the first point, because I think that's the easiest one to answer, I entirely expect a back three. Um, the very fact we were going to go with that against Dundee off the back of a much more positive performance against Livingston when we shifted to the formation Still just indicates to me that Robson is um, is going to stick with it, is you know, going to live by the back three and die by the back three is the way it seems. So I'd entirely expect, maybe not necessarily uh, the same personnel involved, but yeah, I do expect the back three with your wing backs, your midfield three, and then I imagine probably Boyamiowski and Duke up front. Um, Personnel-wise, I think you look at the Sidman players I'm more familiar with, the likes of Ayunga and um, Michael Mandron up front. They're quite big, physical kind of guys. So it wouldn't surprise me if he goes with Ruby in, in the back three. Maybe Garmin, maybe Jensen as well. Uh, I think the curious position in the pitch will be the combination he goes with in midfield to go against that really combative Sitman in midfield. Um, you see those guys, Bacchus and O'Hara especially, they're more than willing to get stuck in. Uh, make it a, a war of attrition, so to speak. And there's been plenty of occasions where we've gone with Shinny, McGrath, Clarkson. It doesn't really work out for us. Connor Barron got the nod against Dundee. Be interested to see if he comes in again. And you know, whether whether to place him there for Danny Pulvana to once again match them up in terms of physicality. Absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. I think it will be the back three, unless Barry does decide that at home, um, in a game like this, and I'll touch on why I think it's critical in a minute or two, maybe decides he does go with the back four, but I think the fact that St. Mirren will come here and play with a three as well, and they'll probably play with either two directly up top or they'll play with one with two in behind them. I think it'll mean he does decide to stick with with the three. Hearts' win at Easter Road during the week kind of now makes it already feel imperative that if we have to have any chance really of finishing third this season, we really need to pick up maximum points now against St. Mirren. And then against Ross County, I think that was probably the case anyway, not really 
notwithstanding what happened at Easter Road, but I think just the nature of the win for Hearts there will give them a lot of confidence. They are in decent form at the moment. Um, you know, I think we were all hoping to go into the winter break fresh off of three or four wins out of the five games we had running up. But now it's just down to those two games. We really do need these six points, don't we, to give us a boost going into that break. Points on the board. It's, it's vital um, for sure. And even discounting um, Hearts, obviously Kilmarnock picked up another win as well. They're um, currently 11 points ahead, albeit with four games in hand for ourselves. But obviously there's no guarantees that we're going to pick up maximum points and and real Kilmarnock back in there. Um it feels like, yeah, a very crucial couple of games before the winter break. Um, you get the impression that there's going to be maybe some movement in terms of players between clubs in Scotland. Um, I think we'll all watch curiously what happens with, with Shankland. So the West Coast Prest are ratcheting up the pressure for them to let Lawrence go to Rangers and how dare they possibly stand in his way if Rangers so wish to uh, wish to acquire him. Because um, that would be a big loss to Hearts, obviously. Ourselves included, we'll obviously be monitoring what happens in terms of ingoings and outgoings. So for me, just a lot of focus has to go on these next two games. Um, and I think, yeah, we we talked about this for a while. This this run of games, not even really including um, Ross County, but you know Dundee, Motherwell, Livingston, Simon and at home, finishing all up. Hopefully that we'd be in a much more healthy position. Hopefully, maybe be, even be in the in the top six at the time of recording. Like I said, we're just gonna have to take on that challenge when it comes and um, whenever those games get rescheduled. But yeah, points on the board for sure are just absolutely vital to get us into the top six, maybe. And, you know, hopefully when the winter break comes, we can see what can we, we can do with the squad. I think we need a little bit of help, maybe move some players out and then kick on like we did, like we did last season. Quickly, if we can, Gav, just before we, we, we wrap up a little bit, um, Leighton Clarkson, because I saw a really good post by a, a United fan, um, Dungeon United fan, that is, commenting about Dylan Levitt's performance in the Edinburgh Derby and kind of talking about just how, you know, managers need to abandon this idea and notion that they have about players like Levitt being asked to kind of play deep, take the ball off the centre-backs, try to spread passes around and just use them in their more natural, advanced kind of position. And it feels for me, and I tweeted out about it the other day, that this season, certainly, you could kind of apply the same thought process to Leighton Clarkson, I think. It's um, it's a valid point, I think, to an extent. I think it is also worth mentioning that Leighton Clarkson playing in that more holding kind of role last season when he had Shinny and Ramadani ahead of him was excellent and was um, a constant creator of opportunities for Aberdeen. So I don't think it's necessarily a case that we have to be looking to get him further up the pitch but um, rather fitting the personnel around him if we want to play him in that deep-lying role. Um, but the way we are, the way we are, our shape is right now, um, I think a lot of Aberdeen fans are probably in agreement that they'd like to see maybe Shinny occupying that position um, and being told to be a lot more disciplined than he actually is, um, rather than chasing the ball over every blade of grass, rather than just dominating the, the area between the, the halfway line and our own penalty box. And letting, you know, whether it's Dante, whether it's Clarkson, get forward, get advanced. Um, you know, this comes for me down to, you know, what we can or cannot do in January and see if we can get any support. And I'd be delighted to see Lane Clarkson further up the pitch. But, you know, it's all just about having the options around him as well. And there's times where you see Clarkson trying to make things happen and his teammates are just not interested. And sometimes that's maybe makes him force things. Um mm-hmm. 
to try and get things up further. And that's why he starts playing maybe the Hollywood passes or the little flicks that his teammates, you know, either can't read or are not aware of. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting theory, but I've seen Leighton Clarkson play brilliantly in that holding position. So I don't think it's something I would discount that he's able to do. Um, and maybe we'll see if Robson recognizes that he made a mistake in the summer in not looking for a like placement for Freel Baramadani. Yeah, I mean, I still think that there's a player that can fulfill that role, possibly in Povara, to be fair. I think, you know, it just needs somebody there to help take the weight off of Shinny, I think, in terms of that harrying in the midfield area. And I, I kind of just feel as well, with the likes of Clarkson, Duke Miofsky, and Jamie McGrath as well in this, you kind of have a foursome there at the top end of the park that most teams in our league would bite your hands off for, you know. So let's give these guys a bit of license to do what they do best and maybe take the handbrake off just that little bit, particularly in these games at home. I think that's a front four that really has got a lot of potential about it and we just aren't quite seeing enough of it. No, because, again... The system, the shape doesn't allow us to. The shape and, you know, there's always such great distances between, especially in the midfield and the attackers. That's the the critical thing. And often, you know, wing-backs not providing options are their teammates in midfield so I think it comes down to a confidence thing as well um, and the shape and that's what that's why I'll be so curious to see how Robson does approach maybe the final two games before the winter break and see if anything changes in when we come back and if we can get some new players in to adapt because I still can't believe that in my heart that Robson is looking at things thinking this is going really well we're just being really unlucky we're not getting the, the breaks that we deserve uh, which I've heard him say this week that our league position does not reflect our performances, which I would um, take umbrage with because, you know, seven defeats out of 16 says, I know where we deserve to be. Yeah, interesting as well. I'll just put it before we, we move on just to, to talk about predictions and stuff. Um, just looking at some of the later news as well, it's broken in the last couple of days, in particular around Duke, obviously failing to make the Cape Verde squad for the Africa Cup of Nations. As well as, the, uh, as well as the Gambia national squad. Well, that as well, yes, indeed. And Boyan Miofsky not making the US squad um, either ahead of um, whatever the fuck that might be happening in North America coming up. Um, Boyan Miofsky miss, missing out on the US squad? Yeah. How would that work? Shock news. Well, in the same way that Duke missed out on the Gambia squad, I imagine. <laughs> Um, obviously it'll be disappointing for the player himself but from an Aberdeen perspective it's a huge bonus because I think a lot of us were expecting that Duke would be missing for a a decent chunk of January Um, obviously there is the winter break that does kick in uh, for the first couple of weeks in January but that's a big bonus for us I think Um, in particular as well because Hearts will miss a few players I'm pretty certain um, as a result of the Asia Cup Um, so I think you've got the likes of Rose, Atkinson um, who else will be there from Hearts? Uh, their midfielder, whose name escapes me now. Oh, Devlin. I don't think he made the squad. Rowles, I'm just looking at it now. Rowles, Atkinson are the two. Boyle for Hibbs is in that squad as well as is Lewis Miller. So, you know, a couple of play, a couple of teams in our um, league are going to be missing some key players in around that period of time. So, you know, that's a bit of a bonus, I think, potentially for us where we can hopefully try to, 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 to maybe pull some of these teams back into view for us but um gav let's um let's wrap things up because it's kind of hard to talk about much else given we've not had a, a chance to really see our team in action now for over a week and a bit um predictions for saturday afternoon at Pataudry against st Mirren. you know i i do think that you look at st Mirren and they got off to a very um 
impressive start to the season and that's kind of keeping them where they are right now in fifth place because you do have to notice that they are in a pretty poor state of uh, form. Two wins and 11 in the league. Not necessarily scoring goals. Um, you know, three three goals for their top scorer uh, out with own goals. Everyone's on twos, threes, ones. So they're not as like, it's not as though they've got a, a goal scorer who's going to, you know, dig them out of trouble in the same way that we do you know, with Boyan Miofsky. I do think they're a weaker team than they were last season uh, by losing the likes of Shaughnessy, um, Trevor Carson as well. And we can laugh and joke all we want, but Stephen Robinson seemed to know how to get a tune out of Curtis Main, uh, caused us some problems as well. So I'm feeling relatively optimistic. Uh, hopefully our players are, as you say, well-rested. Hopefully our manager is not going to be coming out with any chat about how we were lacking in match practice and that. That's why we're going to be putting in a... <laughs> a slightly uh, inept performance. Uh, truth be told, I mean, as much as I'd love to see us go out with some swashbuckling football at this point in the game, two games left before the winter break, two games left before we have the chance to go and help out the squad with some new recruits. I just want to get a victory. That's all that really matters to me. So I'll take a 1-0 win for Aberdeen all night long. And I think it might come through, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe a raker from Richard Jensen. Oof. He has been trying the last couple of games to be fair. Yeah, so maybe that's what that, that is a guy that's desperate for a goal bonus. Indeed, absolutely. I'm gonna echo your thoughts, I think. A Don's win, narrow one, um, two one um goals from Miofsky and from Esther Sokler coming off the bench to get a second goal. But there we go. That'll do us. That'll hopefully move us up the table heading into the new year. That'll do us, I think, just now, Gav. Yes, thank you. It's been an enjoyable and interesting 2023 to say the very, very least. Oh, absolutely. If anyone hasn't done it yet, I would absolutely, I mean, because we can all now, can we laugh about this? Maybe we can't laugh about this yet. You can certainly laugh about the episode because I did it when I was doing our kind of thread wrap-up of the year that's been. Um, if you didn't listen to it at the time, go back and find episode 84, which um, was a three-part documentary recorded live as it was happening between Gav and Graham the evening of the Darvel game. It's just brilliant because of the the, the sheer optimism that goes in pre-match, the change in your tone, particularly yours at halftime, and then just the utter guttural depths of despair that the full-time whistle brings around is something quite to behold. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, certainly I would go back to, if you can put yourself through the ringer, go back and do it. It's very fucking entertaining. Um, But yeah, what a year it's been. I mean, from where we were there, the 11 nil aggregate smashing to the Edinburgh sides, to Davy on the raid, Davy on the TV, yeah, Davy crying on the TV, Jim Goodwin leaping over the advertising hoardings to his own car. Um, yeah, I mean, what a time to be alive! And then to come back, looked like we maybe maybe struck gold with Barry Robson, and then, uh, well, this last six months has been an absolute roller coaster. And I have no doubt that the next part of 2024 will be the exact same. Absolutely. So um, that will wrap us up. We won't be back again, I don't think, before the year is out. So uh, thank you to everybody who's listened to us over the course of the year. We wish you all a very, very happy new year when it arrives. We'll see you next time for episode 145, where we will at some point try to look back on the game against St. Mirren. We'll do a really quick preview as well of our trip to Dingwall to take on Derek Adams' Dross County on the second. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free.
This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!